You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're glad to have you listening in to David's Pick on America's Web Radio. And uh, we have a another special guest, courtesy of Colonel Rick White. And... Um, the Georgia Military Hall of Fame, and uh, we have one of the, you were an inductee, right? Yes, 2016, and right. 2015 inductee. 2016. 2016. 2016. For Valor, yeah. Uh, and uh, John's a Silver Star recipient, and uh, do they call them winners? Or I know a Medal of Honor is recipient. Uh, uh, Silver Star, is that winner or recipient? That's probably just a recipient also. Uh, I just... You know, it's a silver star. We call it. It's a medal. It's for, for uh, well, valor. We, yeah, it's we, a, the third highest, I believe. Well, we're delighted to have John in today, and uh, and we will be talking Vietnam. In fact, a very interesting. John and I were just talking uh, before the show started that uh, most of our guests have been uh, we're in the Delta and. Uh, that area more southern and uh, John was more northern which uh, I guess you were fairly close uh, North Vietnam how far west were you going towards Cambodia we're probably probably within miles of Cambodia but we're so, close right at, we're right on the DM, what they call the DMZ the demilitarized zone yeah so you were what a couple of clicks away from a couple of clicks away matter of fact uh, when we was in Quezon you could walk well, we ran a patrol out of Quezon when they after the Tet offensive uh, we moved uh, we moved into Laos that's how close we were we made a march into Laos and then they pulled us back after the the Tet offensive we took our company out of Quezon, and we went on the aggressive, what we, they call the aggressive move, that we're going to go into to Laos. And uh, we got so far in there, it was it was kind of a, a different atmosphere when you get across the border there. It was like, uh, I remember us walking into Laos, it's like in, in latest 60 July, I believe it's uh, 68. We were on the march, and of course, we were thinking we we're going to really hit a lot of NVA because we now moved into North Vietnam. And uh, when we moved in there, we, we were going down the road, and we see a a, a canteen truck camouflaged hmm. uh, uh, sitting by the canteen truck, and and we took the canteen truck and we looked inside, and there was Coca Colas. Huh. Frito chips and stuff. It was amazing there. It was just amazing what was there that they had, you know. You know. Now, interesting. I always heard it pronounced Laos, and uh, you were saying Laos, right? Well, that's the way I pronounce it. It probably is Laos, but I just it's L A O S. So I, yeah. you know, we uh, we had a friend, uh, my my mother particularly, but. Uh, I don't know if uh, we've all heard it from the Kingston Trio, but he was not the one that. But uh, Dr. Tom Dooley was in uh, Laos and uh, doing, uh, well, he was a doctor, a medical doctor, and treated many, many of the uh, Laotians. And, uh, and then was captured many times and tortured beyond belief. And all he was trying to do was help, and uh, and uh, you know missionary work, and and uh, and the doctoring that he was doing. But 
and that was a picture of what we got of that area and Cambodia wasn't any better, Laos, and then you had the Vietnamese. So, did, uh, you were, we're probably pretty close to the same age, so were you at the end of the draft, or did, were or you, in the lottery, or? No, I just, uh, I just, uh, my father died when I was 16, and so my brother, I got an older brother, and uh, around when I was like 19 or 20, uh I was going to, when I got out of high school, I was going to Columbus College for on and off for, uh, for a couple of years. And, and, uh, and my brother uh, went in, got drafted, and he went into to Vietnam in 1965. And so I was basically the sole surviving son. But, uh, but I wanted to, there's two or three of us guys that, that wanted to join the service and wanted to join the Marines. And, and so we just, we just, went in and joined the Marine Corps. My life wasn't going anywhere. Well, when it happened, my mother got so upset, she tried to give Bo Calloway, who was at the time, we were good friends there, yeah, Mr. Calloway, Calloway Guards, to get him to, to stop it. And uh, in the Marines, you can't do it. Once you join there, nobody can get you out, you know. So I just felt that if I was going to go to Vietnam, I, I felt I wanted to go with the best, and the Marine Corps was the best, and I, the best training that I could have if I was going to go to Vietnam and fight. So, and that's a basically why I joined the Marines, but, uh, but all truthfully, I really always wanted to be a Marine when I was a kid. I just, uh, just wanted, even though my father was a, was a, a 23 year, you know, officer in the army, you know, but, uh, that was just my calling. You know, I had, uh, you know, uh, no rhyme or reason. It was just a time when I said, I need to join. I did it on my own. I wasn't coaxed to do it. I just went down the recruiting station and joined. Let's, uh, for a second, talk about your father, when I was in, a warrant officer was basically a chopper pilot. What what did your father do? He was at ordnance at Schofield Barracks. My father was uh, my father was in Hawaii, Oahu, Hawaii, at Schofield Barracks there, and uh, it, uh, that's where he stayed. I was there my first ten years of my life was was in Hawaii, and uh, he was there doing Pearl Harbor and everything else. And he was in ordnance, and uh, and then my mother was a hula dancer in the officers club when he met her you know and so she had six brothers and uh it, it was uh he used to tell me uh, that he bought her first pair of shoes you know uh, my son was stationed in hawaii he's in uh he's in the air force an officer in the air force and now he's in germany but uh his first uh, two years were in hawaii yeah and uh my wife and i used to go over there it's a, a tough area to be stationed in yeah <laughs> I enjoy it tremendously. Oh yeah, maybe not for your father and as the uh, as the zeros were coming in, but yeah, uh, uh, you know it's still a very historical place. And I I enjoyed going to many of the museums over there. I have been to all of them. Yeah, uh, but you know it's it's again. I this is the thing that uh, one of the things that bothers me, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, this past week. Uh, is it? Pearl Harbor is Pearl Harbor, and it is etched in our minds, etched in our brains from the time we go into school, or and depending on the parents and grandparents, the grandparents today now are older, great-grandparents, they can talk about what it was like during World War II and the, uh, and the attack on Pearl Harbor by the Japanese and the infamous... Uh, statement by 
Franklin Roosevelt, uh, Roosevelt, December 7th, will live in infamy, and uh, and it has. And one of the reasons that you're sitting across the table from me is that when people came back from World War II, they were greeted as heroes. When people came back from Nam, they were greeted with blood thrown at them or yelled names and everything else, spit at, whatever. And, um, and a lot of folks don't even know the history of Vietnam or don't even, you know, it's like it never happened. Mm-hmm. Well, it did happen. And a hell of a lot of people died for various and sundry reasons to keep us free and give us the ability to be sitting here and talking to each other. And we want to keep it fresh. We're also going to be starting a show very soon. Not that he outranks you by much, but oh, just a one star. <laughs> you got yourself a star. He's got the uh, brass one on, yeah. on his shoulder. But um, we're going to be doing a show about Desert Star and Desert Chill and Desert Storm. Because, and I'm a big, big, and I don't mean to be talking so much. It's, yeah, it's your okay. show today, but we can't forget our active duty, and we can't forget our veterans. Because that little store down the street, or that church with the pretty steeple on it, or that that Christmas tree that's going to be going up pretty soon, right. wouldn't wouldn't be happening without our military. And this goes back to day one when we wanted. Uh, representation for our taxes, <laughs> which we don't have today either, but we also wanted freedom of speech and we wanted freedom of religion. And uh, the only way we're going to keep it is to remember. If you don't remember the history, then it's you're due for repeating itself. I, I agree with there. I I think uh, you know what when I, when I hit my story when I when I got back from Vietnam, I remember uh, landing in L.A. And uh, uh, with another Marine, Woody, Woody and I, and it was, you know, when you those days when you landed in L.A. in, in, uh, in November of '68, you know, we were on my way back to Columbus, Georgia, flying, and you, they brought you to L.A. from Okinawa. Uh, we walked in, and you know, it's it's like the uh, if you see the Tom Cruise movie Top Gun, where you where the airport's right there, you walk in, and the bars right there, where you get a drink and sit at the breakfast, and and we were sitting there. And uh, while we were sitting there, these uh, you call them hippies in those days. They came up, and, and uh, Woody and I were sitting there having a, uh, a beer. And he took the beer off the counter and he poured it over my uh, my pants leg. You know that was uh, that was uh, we were sitting there with my pants leg. He poured it over the pants leg, and I said, "What the heck's all that about?" And uh, and uh, uh, you know, normally being a Marine, you want to do something about it. Woody said, "John, you do something. They're gonna you're gonna be arrested, and then you're not gonna be able to get home." So we went in and actually changed into our civilian clothing, and we never wore, we didn't wear them again, you know, at all to any civilian event. But 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 I but the, to me, the Vietnam War is is a traditional war. It's the last tradition. If, if that's the right phrase, the right word, the traditional war where. You when you fight you uh, you see the guy and you shoot at him and, and he's back and you, you shoot at him. Uh, we didn't have we didn't really in '68 we didn't have the, we didn't have TV we didn't have the internet. Uh, you didn't nobody talked about what was going on in '68 the protest or anything. We didn't know anything of that at all. So when you really 
came back to the United States, you really had a year or year out of your life that you didn't know what was going on because even if you went on R and R, the last thing you did was watch TV. That wasn't even important when you're you're out having a good time. So, but I, I am glad that they are honoring the veterans and the troops in, uh, today. I think it's great that they recognize them, and I think it's great that the, they are being honored. People from Desert Storm, Gulf War, Iraq, whatever. I, I think it's so important. Um, I'm personally glad I fought in Vietnam instead of Desert Storm and in Iraq. I, I just, I, I think, and the reason that is is that I wouldn't even have to think that I couldn't, if somebody would approach me with something, I had to wait for them to fire on for me before I could fire back on them. Uh, mm. You know, where I was mm. in Vietnam, I was up around the DMZ, North Vietnam. We were up in what we call a, a free fire zone. In other words, uh, we, if, if, the, if we saw something move in the bush, we could shoot the bush because there was no civilians up there. We didn't have to worry about booby traps. We weren't down south like my brother was. Set that claymore off. Set that, <laughs> yeah. And we could do that. I mean, when I arrived, when I uh, a couple of things that I remember when I arrived in uh, from well, I was in Okinawa when I arrived in Vietnam, uh, uh, commercial airlines in Da Nang, and uh, it was it was quiet. There was no mortars or anything. But the, what I really recognized most of all was that the guys that were getting on the plane as I was getting off, uh, they had even though they were young men, they looked like they have grown. You know, five years. You know, oh, uh, sure. Because they weren't smiling, they weren't laughing and cheering that they were getting on the plane. Which I thought, well, that'd be great. You should be doing that, but they weren't. John, and, we're gonna. I'm gonna have to okay, interrupt sure. you and take a break right quick. Sure, we'll be right back ahead. with John Blair, and we'll start talking about his book as well. So stay tuned. We'll be right back right after a couple of messages. You can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan, and every family will save thousands of dollars a year. I'm Ellen Deal, and if you've been hurt by the Affordable Care Act, you can email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com to see if we can help. Small business owners, individuals, families, and baby boomers, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com for three easy questions to determine if you can get away from Obamacare. I'm a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry and here to help you for all your insurance needs. morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a march implementation ribbon cutting ceremony and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project you can donate at jcvets.org Listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, and we're back on David's Pick on America's Web Radio, and we have Staff Sergeant John Blair, who has written a book. I guess this no, is I'm just of, I'm just an article in the book. Uh, Norman okay. Black wrote that book, but it's stories about Vietnam veterans. Right, stories about the uh, Vietnam, uh, Vietnam veterans, and I'm one of the stories in the book. 
You know, it's like uh, the meeting that I went to at Johns Creek uh, Veterans, uh, Vietnam Veterans Association. Uh, I I don't know of a veteran that doesn't have. In fact, I don't. I can even go further than that. I don't know of a veteran that has one story. I know veterans that <laughs> you, you wind them up and you didn't, never stop them. They have story after story. And I, my uh, best friend that um, we went to uh, college together, and then he took a leave of absence and went to Vietnam for a couple of years and then came back, and uh, we went back to college together. Yeah. And uh, he lived with me out at my farm, and... You know, after he had been in Vietnam, he told me, and and you and I were talking about it earlier. Uh, but he told me, don't ever one, don't ever wake me up, and if I do something, just don't worry about it. I'll pay for it. And one one night, I was sound asleep, and I heard this crash, and he had just put his fist through my wall, and uh, and like you said. It, I saw so many. I had another good friend that went to Nam and came back and was just. And he was a Marine, as a matter uh-huh. of fact. And some of the atrocious things that you all saw uh, just are unbelievable. Well, you know, yeah. best friend yeah. skinned. Right. And, uh, you just can't imagine that one human would treat another human like that. And we had um, we had Arson uh, Swindle on the other day mm-hmm. that was a, uh, a prisoner of war in, in the... Hanoi Hilton and just you know and this is what upset me about this past week we have to celebrate and appreciate our veterans and the and Vietnam veterans but it doesn't matter we a war is a war and the treatment that one human can give and or do to another human is just beyond mm. And this is true in, in the Middle East right now, and we've seen some of it. Well, you see it. it we, we saw, I saw a lot of it up in North Vietnam. And, and the reason you, they really didn't show much on uh, you know, in the news is because the reporters weren't really allowed up in North Vietnam. It was too dangerous. I mean, they, 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 we hardly ever – the only one reporters ever came up there was uh, the, the – uh, 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 newspaper guys with the Marine Corps Gazette, and they they were right in there with the trenches with us, and that's where a lot of the information came from uh, the Marine Corps Gazette. And uh, I guess stars and stripes for them. I didn't see any stars and stripes. You know, I didn't. I just knew the Marine Corps Gazette was there, but uh, they could have been there. I mean, uh, it, I just a couple of a couple of battles, a couple of things, and they, they showed up. We never did have like uh, a bunch of. After a big battle, any photographers come in or any newspaper come in. But it, it would have been uh, it, some of the things I saw. It, it, you know, first of all, let me say this: uh, a lot of veterans, uh, Vietnam veterans, I don't care, Iraq veterans, or where they, they ha- every individual handles PTSD different than anybody else. Some some can't handle it. Some it really bothers them. Death bothers them, or I, how you say how they treat people bother them. I mean. And I saw that was we've had guys in, in Vietnam that actually lose it during that time in Vietnam, and uh, and they just they just lose it. Some can handle it, some can't. Um, I, I think it's just uh, to me. It, it, I, I I saw a lot of action. There was no ifs ands or buts about that. I, I've been in a lot of, a lot of firefights and stuff like that, and some major battles. Uh, but 
some of the things of Viet, uh, if they could have saw some of the things that the North Vietnamese Army did to some of our troops and some of the Army troops, it would be unbelievable. And and we had to we had to go retrieve them and get them, you know, and 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 and. Uh, and and look at this look at what they've done and it would upset us too also so uh like you said there's so many stores when we have a a, a bunch of guys that get together for since like 2006 they're out of my third platoon there's like we'll start off like 18 there's like 12 left uh, some of them have, have passed away a couple of them committed suicide which is sad but but when we get together with the wives and family, we bring it all up. We meet every year. We just—I just got back a couple of weeks ago from Prescott, Arizona, where we met with our third battalion, uh, you know, our Indian Company third platoon, and we just, uh, you know, first day we hang out. Second night, it's always the second night, like the Friday night. We go in on Thursday, Friday night we. We go to one of the who's ever host in the house, and we start having a few drinks and stuff, and then everything comes out, and we laugh and we talk about the certain events that happen, and and, uh, and and we're really blessed to be back, and so so that happens all the time. I, when I was in the, when I really started getting involved with the with the what I did in Vietnam is when I joined uh, this the, uh, the Woodstock Marine Corps League, uh, chapter thirteen eleven. There's some. So it, it, when I joined the Marine, and I didn't even know they had a detachment and in, in, in Woodstock. When I joined, there's like 15, 20 members, and uh, now there's like we have over 100. And we're do, matter of fact, we're hosting the Georgia National uh, Convention this year, the Marine Corps League. Uh, we're, we're hosting it, and, and the rifle team, our rifle team, performed the duties on that that, that the burial was done yesterday for those. I mean, John Newport handled the put together this. On the on the, the bearing of those seven, am I missing in action or homeless veterans? I guess that that's what it was up the National Cemetery. But but uh, you know the war. Like I said, let me just probably get back to where, where I start. When I when I when I landed in in, in Da Nang I, in in Da Nang, I noticed that, and then I was moved up to Dong Ha. It's a funny story. So they sent me up to Dong Ha. You know, going north. I didn't know where I was going. And uh, so I got to Dong Ha, and, you know, we got these uh, sandbag bunkers, nice. I'm going to eat hot chow, and, and I'm by myself, and I'm in this one tent. It's the, the it's looked like somebody swept the dirt. It's so nice. I have the tent, and I'm saying, this is Vietnam. This is not bad at all. You know, I'm sitting there saying, this is really, this is pretty nice. You know, I'll get up. Okay, it's time to go to chow, walk up in the chow. I had Somebody yell incoming? Two days, and then. Then they said, "Okay, now you're going up to Contien." That's and when I got there, this is like two weeks, and I, I go up to Contien, and and they just been through a major battle in Contien, so they were cleaning up after the battle, and uh, the choppers were flying in and out, and and we're in underground bunkers and everything else. And I said, "Whoa, this is different than what I thought it was going to be," and so we I was there for first couple of months. And we just, no action. It was like a lull. It was like November and December was like a lull in the action. And and because there had been a lot of action for then. And so we were running patrols in and out of Contien, you know. And then uh, the first time we, we had action was probably in right after Christmas. And uh, and uh, we ran it. We were moving. We left uh, Camp Carroll, moving up to Quezon, going up to C2 to Quezon. That was... In route, we're going to run. Our company is going to run patrols up around the DMZ, and they eventually be in Quezon. And so, anyway, we were uh, we were K- walking. Quezon was one of the well-known Jodies. Yes, it was. 
it was it was uh, we got there right after the uh, we got there in March right after the but we were in March and April we got there right after the Caesar case on but during the time we were there in March and April we had a lot of skirmishes and firefights and and uh, took in a lot of artillery that's the only thing that really scared me the whole time in Vietnam was the artillery because you didn't know you could hear them we're so close to the border you could hear bam and you knew five seconds, ten seconds from now, the, the round's coming in on you, you know. Uh, a lot of people don't realize about Quezon was was not so much uh, how bad it was, but the rats were bad. A lot of rats in Quezon. I mean, the rats were big as cats. I mean, really wow. that big. And a lot of the bodies outside Quezon, uh, the, 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 the NVA bodies were out there, a lot of them had died of what they call the plague. And because uh, they were out, they were out there. When they said there were thousands of bodies, you know, when we ran patrols. They were just laying out there, you know, and and, uh, and 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 you had to be careful. But I remember an incident. I was drinking up at a this big, you know, the, where they put the waters in these uh, gallon tank, five gallon tanks, whatever it is. And I remember taking it and and taking it, putting up and taking a sip out of it, and a rat was in it and hit my mouth and, oh. and I said oh man I'm going to die that's what I thought I was going to do but nothing ever happened but it, it, that, you know Quezon said the artillery was bad and then running patrols out of Quezon was really hairy and then we then we hiked to the different hillsides and we ran a lot of skirmishes but but on the way up to Quezon on the way up to Quezon after that, that one thing I realized that I never did want to be in the rear during a battle like when we have a battle or a skirmish, you have you have your your three platoon your three your three platoons, and then one platoon to be up here, one platoon. Then you have one platoon that bring up the rear. And when you're in the rear of the one platoon, you really lay down and face the other way, you know, because you you, you would want did, your six. Yeah, you did. But what was so bad when they're on a firefight, the rounds that would go past them, you could hear them zinging by us. You know what I mean? We're thinking, please don't hit us, because. A lot of times, moving up, it's the rounds that miss you that get the other Marines. You know and that's normally what, what really happens. You know, so when we were when we were moving up there, my uh, I remember my my first time I ever had to, uh, and I guess it's okay to uh, to David talk about my first kill or something. Is, is that good? or just rather me not. If it doesn't bother you, it doesn't bother. Well, us. it doesn't bother me, but I just didn't know if it's okay on the radio. Yeah. But, yeah. but anyway, uh, it was like December the thirtieth. I, I was walking point, and what they call point is uh, oh, for I a company. Your point, point is you're like a hundred yards ahead of the company, and people don't realize that you have flankers that are fifty yards out. Then you have one man that walks point. Being a private, a PFC, it was my turn, and so uh, I was walking point about a hundred yards ahead of the company. And uh, I was coming. I came up on this field, and when you're a hundred yards ahead, you're really by yourself. And the reason you're at walk point, where people don't realize that if you get attacked, then you're going to save the other company because they're going to hear them attacking. And they know somebody's up ahead, so you're really going to run into an ambush. You probably die, but at the same time, you're going to save a lot of the Marines. That's just part of point, you know. So a lot of people didn't like walking point. Nobody really did, really. 1650 or M79? M16, M16. M16? Right. You didn't want to carry the 50? No. No. You know, when when I was in uh, San Diego, uh, you know, at Camp uh, Camp Pendleton, when we were training to go to Vietnam, we had M14s. 
Oh yeah, I remember. I remember that. Well. And, and I love the M14s, but but then heavy. they then they introduced us to our last two weeks to the M16, and to me it was like a piece of plastic, you know, because it had yeah. plastic on the outside. But I'm glad I had it. It was very light, very active, but it would jam a lot. If you, you, start, you fired too much, the rounds would jam. You'd have to. A lot of guys taped a cleaning rod to the outside of their uh, uh, partial clean rod, and then they throw it in, knock the shell out, and then they uh, reload it. it reload the shells because it would heat up or the shells would heat up. It was more or less the ammo than it was the M16, I believe. I believe it had a lot to do with the ammo. So we'd always try to get new ammo if we had instead of using old, you know. But anyway, while I was walking up uh, at Point, I came up, I went up this hill and it's like an open field. Uh, the, the grass was real tall. Then I was walked up there and I see two NBA soldiers running across and there's little trees in this field, and, and they stopped, and they didn't see me. And, and, and I didn't know whether they had Marine Corps had a recon patrol out or not because I couldn't tell whether with us or really. So I went back to Captain Pritchard, and I asked Captain Pritchard, and I said, when, when I got back, he said, Blair, what, what the hell are you doing back here? Mm-hmm. I said, sir, do we have any friendlies in this area? And he said, what are you talking about? I said, friendly. And he says, no, we don't. I said, well, I think there's a couple of NBA soldiers up there and, and I said what do you want to do he says would you kill the son of a bitches and that's exactly what he told me and I said okay so anyway I I'm, I go, I have to go back up there well I'm thinking I'm thinking when I go back up there there's there's might be 20 instead of two now yeah. there might be hundreds so I'm really nervous and, and, and cautious so when I came up on the hill I looked at I, I, I was you know, just sneaking up and coming out of the woods up onto the grass, and and that's when they were. When I looked up, they were like twenty yards ahead of me, and so I dropped both of them right then and there. And then you go up and you make sure they are dead. And then what you do, you in those days you pull the. You can if you can wear their belt. They say you'll survive Vietnam the first kill. So when I pulled the belt off, of course I weighed about one hundred and thirty five, hundred and forty pounds. So the belt fit, yeah, barely fit, but it did fit. I wore it the whole time I was in Vietnam. The whole time I had huh. that belt. You know, but uh, th- that was one of my stories. Then we moved to uh, to the uh, to the uh, to the valley to protect this bridge off of Highway Nine. Go ahead, I'm sorry, John. We're going to have to take a break right okay. quick, and um, we'll be back with Staff Sergeant Retired uh, yeah. John Blair. And uh, I want to uh, bring out the fact that the show's basically brought to you by the Georgia Military Hall of Fame. And uh, Colonel Rick White has just done everything in the world for us, and we appreciate it. And he's gotten us so many great interviews with great folks like John and uh, talking about Vietnam. And uh, we want to make sure that Vietnam is not ever done like in the history books today, given three pages and that's it, like they've done with World War II. Uh, we have to remember our veterans. And, again, if you haven't been to the Georgia Military Hall of Fame, you've got to go. It's downtown. And uh, you go and you'll you'll see John Blair's picture in there. And uh, he was in the class of 2015. 2016. 16. I keep trying to make you a year early, don't I? <laughs> anyway, 2016. And uh, they just had their induction ceremony in Columbus, Georgia, on the 2nd of November. So you've got 15 more people in there than uh, we had, 
and uh, it's something that you got to go to. So please go to that, and then we're going to play a spot with uh, Mike Mazel, who is the president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association in Johns Creek, Georgia, where the healing wall is. And that's the uh, 50% re- uh, replica of the Vietnam Wall wall in uh, Washington, D.C. When Mike, uh, and I shouldn't call, I should say sir, but when Mike was uh, at the wall, he was standing there looking at the names and so forth, and there was a mother and her son. Her son was in his 40s, and he looked up at Mike and said, I met my dad today. And uh, his dad, when his mother was three months pregnant with him, his dad uh, went to Vietnam and was one of those that didn't return and uh, never knew he had a son. And uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit after when we come back, and that's the fact that uh, the communication so much different today than, than uh, yesterday, and uh, we'll talk about that with John. We'll be right back right after this. Yeah. morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a march implementation ribbon cutting ceremony and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project you can donate at jcvets.org Listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And you're listening to David's Pick, and we've got Staff Sergeant John Blair with us today, Staff Sergeant in Vietnam. And uh, we're delighted to have him on. He's a uh, 2016 recipient of, or inductee, I should say, into the Georgia Military Hall of Fame. And um, the Hall of Fame is just something that every everybody, and we've got more and more people across the country that are coming to it and uh, seeing the stories of the Georgians that served in uh, many different capacities. And I, I love one of Rick's uh, stories is about the uh, NCO that just said, "Oh shucks, I didn't do anything. I was just a generator. Uh, I just kept the generators going." Well. During the Tet Offensive, he kept the generators going. And uh, there's so much about Vietnam that that people don't know, don't care to know, or haven't been taught. And um, John has a story in a book by Norman Black. It's called Combat Veterans, Stories of the Vietnam War. And uh, a lot of us, like, like, yes, I served during the era, but I did not go to Vietnam. But so many of us have friends. If you're in your early 70s, 
or mid-70s even, you have a lot of friends that did go to Vietnam. Part were draftees, part were uh, lottery, and part were volunteers. From my standpoint, I think the best thing that ever happened to the military was going a volunteer military. Uh, you get the people that want to be there, that want to serve, want to serve their country. And uh, I think, and I'm going to ask John, I thought this past week, last Monday, uh, the 11th, was deplorable. Um, folks, if we forget history, then it's we're due for it to repeat itself. And as we were talking uh, on the medical show, the doctor's lounge this morning, off mic, but even what's happening in the medical industry today, it's my opinion that we're in as much of a Cold War today as we ever were in the 50s or 60s. And it's even scarier in that in the 50s and 60s, we thought we were going to be bombed, we were going to be nuked, we were going to be this or that. But folks, what's happening is we're being taken over from the inside and it's going to hurt a whole lot worse than it would have been if it had been a bomb. And we're being taken over in our schools, and our public education. We're being taken over by these idiots in Washington that call it socialism. Well, the best I remember, socialism is one step before communism. And the next step is communism. And they take over our medical care. They take over what we can read and what we can do. And we're in a country of communists and um, you know John fought against the communists in Vietnam and you know and at the same token we were having riots in saying we should be out of Vietnam so the communists have a plan and we're part of their plan and I don't like a bit of it well I I kind of agree with you on that too I I think the biggest thing about veterans is, is is there's help out there for veterans there's no doubt about it and and, and they are doing better that i think the biggest problem in a veteran getting help is is the paperwork is so tremendous and, and, and the forms that you've got to fill out and and, and really it, you look at the forms and you really got to take your time and fill out the forms but there's more than one two three or four and then and some of them can be if you don't have any help how to do this the the benefits are there for them and then when you put them in you send them in and they say there's something wrong with the form they send it back to you it's just a lot of it's you know with the dog right it's just so so much to do but it's out there it's just so complicated and let me ask you do you know of any organization that will help you with all of the and cut through some of the red tape well in our marine corps league we have uh in our marine corps league in woodstock uh we we have uh individuals that are very good at helping so i I remember when uh when i went there and they and i could i remember when i first came here to it to Atlanta, uh, uh, my wife and I, uh, we went to the Austell Clinic, and 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 uh, uh, this is like ten years ago. And and I wanted to go to the VA clinic. I hadn't been a member of the VA or anything like that at all to get VA benefits or whatever. And they said they were full, and I couldn't even get hit. So I went to uh, a, a a veterans. Uh, uh, place I bet for veterans you know to, to uh, and I met this at the over there by the big chicken of Marietta and I met him and and he got me in all the information took care of me I, and 
to get to get my my veterans card at uh, for the VA hospital. He he walked me through it and everything, but I had no idea how to do it. And uh, it, it's it's kind of sad that it, it, it's just so complicated. And they really a veteran really needs help filling it out. They do have uh, places where you can do that, but uh, but you have to make an appointment. You have to go through it. And I think a lot of veterans that aren't getting the benefits, they just don't want to get involved with the red tape, you know. But there is help out there to do it. Uh, uh, you know, Jim Lindemeyer, who is uh, head of the uh, uh, that helps homeless veterans in Cherokee County. He's been really, really good at at getting that done and helping helping homeless veterans and veterans and and getting them through that process. Uh, you just have to reach out if, the, if there's a VFW club. That's where they really need to get help. If they go in there. There's people can help them if a veteran's willing to go in there and do it. But like you said, I said on the on Veterans Day, I, I was kind of a a little disappointed in, in, in uh, some of the things that uh, on, the, on Veterans Day. I think uh, last year to me was uh, was awesome. This year was just seemed like it had just been a little bit of a lull in, 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 in Veterans Day, and and uh, I'm not sure why that is, but uh, it's like anything else. You know, you know um, we had uh, on our show called Detailing Addiction, Doctor Susan Blank, that's a psychiatrist, does the show and. She and I got to talking about it. This was this past Tuesday, as a matter of fact. Uh, her show is uh, every Tuesday at 4 o'clock. And uh, she and I got to talking about it. That, And she and her staff also served time in Canada, opening up uh, addiction clinics up there. And she said, they still do it. Why did we stop? And it brought back, I, I'm talking about flashback, mm-hmm. but... You're old enough, I think, to remember when on Veterans Day and Memorial Day, which are two different holidays mm-hmm. totally, but on Veterans Day, you had the guys sitting out in front of the grocery stores or whatever selling poppies that you put in your lapel. Right. And or you could have your choice. Mm-hmm. You could have a little flag on a toothpick or the poppy. Right. And uh, you wore it to honor the veterans. Why was that done away with? I have no idea. I don't either. And we're going to start talking about it and find out why that was done away with. I know Memorial Day is really well uh, well presented. I, I've I've had I've been guest speaker at several Memorial Day celebrations and <clears throat> and people really come out for that. I mean, they they really did. Uh, last year I was in Delonica and and I was just amazed when I was uh, keynote speaker there that the, how many crosses they line they had actually put in. In Delonica, I mean, there was hundreds lining the road, small crosses all the way around the whole whole city of Delonica. It was really very impressive, you know. And I think this uh, this thing getting back to to uh, Colonel Rick White and, and Colonel Paul Longier, uh, those guys have done an amazing job with the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And uh, and and Paul has got a story of his own, and and to me, Colonel Wyke is a, is is a first class dedicated individual for veterans, and so is Paul. And this and this Johns Creek where the the wall is going to be, I I don't know if it's set up yet, but I was at that well, opening gonna, ceremony. They're going to <coughs> the opening is set now for March the uh, 29th, I believe. That's and it's going to be open 24 hours, so the people. It's a beautiful park, a beautiful setting. And uh, I've been very. Uh, I, I work for a company that's uh, uh, Tony Farrell, who is my, uh, who's who's uh, also a, a, a Marine in the in the Reagan years, 
and I've been very fortunate to go up to Washington D.C. just about every year and visit the memorial, uh, Vietnam Memorial, and other memorials. But I make a point to do that, and, and it's still just it still brings it out into you, brings the heart out into you, and and uh, it, it's it's something to see if you've never been. And to have it here in Johns Creek is amazing, and and I think uh, it's going to attract a lot of people. Yes, sir. We're going to take another break, and we'll be back with John Blair right after this. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a March implementation ribbon cutting ceremony and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project you can donate at jcvets.org Listening to America's Web Radio on the America's Broadcast Network.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on America's Web Radio and David's pick, and we have the honor of having a inductee into the Georgia Military Hall of Fame 2016. I got it right got for it a right change. Uh, and want to thank Rick White for uh, getting Staff Sergeant Blair to come in and talk about his experiences in. Vietnam and you know Vietnam is a good example just like Desert Storm and Desert Shield and everything that we do we're the greatest country in the world our three different parts of the government the court the Supreme Court the president executive branch and then also the congressional branch however I must say I am getting really sick and tired of Congress and do-nothing Democrats that 
And I, 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 there's a thing going around right now that I totally support, and this is a, an email that's going around demanding that Congress live under the same laws that they make us live under, everything from Social Security up and down the gambit. And one of the things that I support totally is that I don't think that anybody should be on the Armed Service Committee or anything that has to do with the military if they haven't served. They have no idea what it is to hold a uh, metal tray in a thunderstorm and lightning, raining, pouring down rain, and turning your mashed potatoes into less than soup. Uh, they don't know what it's like to be yelled at to polish the boots that have a, a block of mud on them. They don't know what it's like to kill a weapon or clean a weapon. They don't even know how to hold a weapon up there. So I'm starting a one-man campaign on that we shouldn't have officials, we shouldn't have representatives that ain't been there and ain't done that. And uh, they should all go, if nothing else, basic training. If nothing else, basic training. And uh, also, I want to mention that we've got Friday coming up. Tomorrow, as a matter of fact. And Friday is Red Shirt Day. They started this many years ago, supporting our veterans and active duty folks. And then they extended to to uh, first responders that are always there for us. And um, I want to get this going again. I wear a red shirt every Friday. And everybody should wear one <clears throat> just as an informal way of saying thank you. And every Marine, every military, every veteran, every first response responder knows what it means. So let's get back to uh, John Blair. John, tell me something we missed. Well, one thing I want to make sure that everybody understands is that there uh, there are so many, I mean, uh, you know, when, when I got inducted to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, I was so humbled and honored because there's so many more that are deserving that, that want to keep their, their, you know, what they've done in, in Vietnam, World War II, Gulf War, whatever. They want to keep it to themselves that, that are really, you know, probably have several medals much more than i do and and uh, but th- that's okay because you know everybody handles it different than anybody else uh, but uh, like you said I, the, the veterans uh, you know, the majority of the veterans they just want to go on with their life and they, and they want to do what's right for their country and that and, th- and that's what's really great what I, I, the, uh, me going to vietnam was the best thing in my life me joining the marine corps was the best thing in life it, it gave me it matured me. It gave me purpose in life, and and uh, what it takes to to drive to get ahead, and 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 respect of all the other military people that are in the military today. And I just think it, it's. Uh, I really believe in this country. We've got a great great country. I love this country, and I think it's uh, it's so important for our, our people to know about the, the veterans. I myself. Don't want them to ever forget Vietnam, but it's like it's like anything else. So it's like World War Two, World War One. The older you get, it, it kind of goes away. There's not too many World War Two veterans left. There's not too many more Korean veterans left, and uh, it, and it's good that the country is supporting the troops because that's what's really important today. That they need to know they got the support. That everybody thinks highly of them, and everybody supports them, and and and. And even though there, I feel they sometimes don't do enough. I think we're getting a lot more recognition than than we ever had before. Uh, 
since World War II or whatever. You know, and so. uh, another thing that I'd like to pass on is <clears throat> many, many of the Vietnam veterans are working and working their butts off, as a matter of fact, to help reindoctrinate the folks that are coming have come back from Desert Shield, Desert Storm, Iraq, well, you know, any of the Middle East stuff. And they're working with them. They're meeting them at the airport. They're doing all sorts of things because they know how they felt when they came back from Vietnam, and they don't want any other brother. And I, I always point this out. Um, the military is the largest fraternity and sorority in the world. Uh, I can't talk to John, and I, I'm, I've been quite upfront about that totally, about Vietnam like one of his brothers that served next to him in Vietnam. I can talk around it because I was I, I was in the military during the era, but I was not there. But I can hopefully make some sense out of what I say. But it's a brother talking to a brother or a sister talking to a brother or two sisters talking mm-hmm. that, have, that are veterans. It's all the difference in the world. And let me throw out one other thing. Because I have my, my son that's uh, in the Air Force, an officer in the Air Force in Germany, I have made it a point and ask you to do the same thing. If you're in the airport and you see someone in uniform, at least thank God they can wear the uniforms today, you see somebody in a uniform at one of the airport restaurants, buy that dinner farm, buy that lunch for he or she, and same way with first responders. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. You know, and another thing about the, what veterans don't really realize is that there are things that, that you can get that that the company was willing to offer, but it's a shame that you, but you got to ask for it. And uh, it, I asked, is there a veteran's discount? Because there are, like, I mean, I travel a lot, and I go to the airport, and I never realized that I could get a 20% off at one of the, the places where you get chips or they, and the only reason I found that out was I was wearing uh, a, a, a Vietnam hat. And they said, are you a veteran? But you have to show your ID. And I said, I've been traveling for years, and I didn't know I could get one. So there's things out there for them, but uh, there is support for them all. But as far as my time in Vietnam, and and uh, and, and there's a, there's so many other people deserving. It's, uh, you know, I, I'm just uh, very blessed to be here. I'm very blessed to, to have a, a great family that supports me and, and great friends that supports me. And, and I think, I think uh, you know, the more we can get this out, more be recognized. But but I encourage everybody to, to really, uh, it, it, it's in John Creek when it, when it's up to visit that Vietnam Wall. It's, it's, uh, it's really touching. To, to visit that and uh, you know I'm just uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm thankful that you asked me to be here and I'm, I'm glad to represent the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame also well you know if, if you don't appreciate history then and we don't respect history then it's due to repeat itself <laughs> the incidents and uh, this is what we're going through right now in my opinion and we have to be very guarded in this country that we let don't let people that don't know what they're talking about take over our country. And uh, I'll just throw out names. I can't stand him. I don't want to. I don't like seeing him on television. And he's the biggest lying idiot I've ever seen. And that's Adam Schiff. 
and I own the station. I have every right to say it. And that guy, he's like a little eight-year-old, and in my opinion, should be taken out behind Congress and spanked. Uh, he's a liar, and that's all he's good for. He opens his mouth, and a lie is going to come out. So don't let people like him and AOC and the others. We've got a very important election coming up in a year, and we have right now we have probably one of the biggest supporters of the military that we've had in many, many, many years. And one thing, well, you you are from Hawaii, basically, and when my son was stationed over there on an air base as an officer and uh, we went out on the tarmac in fact a friend of his was a 130 pilot and c-130 and uh, we went out on the tarmac and uh, we were with him and all of these planes sitting there this was uh, three four years ago I guess during someone's administration that we don't care for, that were sitting there being cannibalized because they wouldn't buy the parts to keep the other fighters flying. And I lost it. This, this is, We're the greatest country in the world. And to not be able and, oh, my God, we can't let them train. The hell we can't. That's what they have to do. And we don't know what they're training for, but they have to train. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't ever cannibalize anything. That's like taking parts off an M16 so another M16 can fire. Baloney. And so, folks, if you ever wondered how I stand on this, I think you just got it. I think so, too. <laughs> I think so, too. John, it has been a pleasure. Uh, we got to wrap it up, but uh, will you come back? I'd be more than happy to. Thank you so much. Well, we're looking forward to it, and uh, stay tuned. we got more coming your way on America's Web Radio. And, again, we want to thank Colonel Rick White for all he does for America's Web Radio. And want to thank, again, Sar- uh, Staff Sergeant John Blair for his time in Vietnam and, and his taking off time to come in here today. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.